and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. All right, extend your hand towards him. Let's just pray. Father, we do pray for that this would be a token beginning of massive breakthrough in every area of life. Uh, area of finances, of family, health, uh, ministry anointing, vision, all the stuff. Let the tidal wave of favor and peace come upon them in increasing ways, we ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen. Clap, clapping is good, but it's so inexpensive. You know. takes a lot of courage for a man to admit that his wife was wrong. <laughs> a recent scientific study was done and they found that women who add a few extra pounds live longer than the men who mention it. One gal said, "She said my 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 swimming suit made uh, my swimming suit told me I needed to go on a diet, but my sweatpants were like, now nah, girl, you're good.' <laughs> so you just pick accordingly, right?" Yeah. Here's here's a great one. He said, "This guy says I was at the McDonald's drive-through this morning. A young lady behind me leaned on her horn, started mouthing some ugly things because I was taking too long to place my order." So when I got to the first window, I paid for her order along with my own. The server must have told her what I had done because as we moved up, she leaned out her window, waved at me, began mouthing, thank you, thank you, probably feeling embarrassed that I had responded to her rudeness with kindness. When I got to the second window, I showed the server both receipts and I took her food too. Now she has to go to the back of the line and start all over again. <laughs> Don't honk your horn at old, old people was the conclusion. <laughs> this guy said, I was lonely till I glued a coffee cup to the top of my car. Now everyone waves at me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, I love this one. I met a woman outside the mall crying. She had lost $200. So I gave her forty dollars from the two hundred I found. <laughs> That's just so wrong. That's just so wrong. <laughs> when God blesses you, you must bless others. That was the conclusion. Oh, this I I think this is this is one of my favorite all time. Here's here's uh, the manger scene. The camel says, I will bear him gifts. The donkey says, I will carry him. The fish says, I will pay his taxes. The cow says, I will quench his thirst. The dove says, I will bless his baptism. The sheep says, I will warm him. The duck says, I will feed him. The pig says, I will let him fill me with demons. I'll jump off a cliff and... (laughs) I can never finish it, so let me, let me finish it again. I will let him fill me with demons. Then I'll jump off a cliff and... Wait, what? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Oh, goodness. Well, I'm, I should probably quit right there. Oh. If you suck at playing the trumpet, that might be why. All right, that's enough, that's enough. 
I do have more, but you know, you gotta you gotta cut it off at some point. <laughs> oh goodness. I had a, a real interesting experience in uh, the first week of December of 2020, so be three years ago. <clears throat> I've had, um, you know, as a speaker, when you share these unique experiences that you have with the Lord, it sounds like you have them every other week. And, you know, this is something that I've had happen on uh, in this measure, uh, three or maybe four times in 50-some years. So puts it in perspective. <clears throat> but this particular night, I, I was awakened. I've had him wake, wake me up with his voice. I've actually had it happen twice. <clears throat> but this time, I was awakened by thoughts, not not from something coming to me, but something exploding within me. And I don't know how to describe it. I, I've, I've tried uh, on a number of occasions for these years to try to <clears throat> explain the experience, only to give perspective in case you have something similar happen to you. But <clears throat> this first week of December, I, it was a Saturday night, and I was awakened with a thought with a phrase that was going through my mind. And here's the phrase. A walled city without gates is not entirely safe. That's a weird, strange phrase just to come out of nowhere to start thinking on in the middle of the night because I had no, you know, I, I, hadn't, I, I didn't have any reason to be thinking in that direction. <clears throat> but I, I, I woke up and here's this phrase this, this racing around in my mind, a walled city without gates is not entirely safe. And um, I've, I've done a bit of study through the years, uh, like sp- specifically out of Ezra and Nehemiah, especially Nehemiah. Nehemiah is where <clears throat> Nehemiah came to the city of Jerusalem to help rebuild the, the walls around the city. And Ezra was about rebuilding the temple and when we're born again, the first thing that takes place in our life is we become the temple of the Lord, the dwelling place of God. And then he begins to build up all the areas of our life that are torn down and destroyed. So the walls represent a lot of areas of, of integrity, of uh, Christian discipline, values, practices, things of that nature. And so I, I had done uh, months and months of study in Nehemiah. So if you can imagine, I'm, I'm laying in bed and I'm awakened by my own thoughts, which was, first of all, alarming because that doesn't happen. <clears throat> and I start thinking about Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls. It's interesting. They, they tried to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem for, I think it was 72 years and failed. Uh, every time they'd get the wall partially built, the enemy nations would come in and they would tear it down and they would mock them for their efforts. And Nehemiah, his name means comforter. And so he's this profound picture of the Holy Spirit. He comes along and he helps them to rebuild the walls and they, they complete it in 52 days. So what they couldn't do in a lifetime without the Holy Spirit, they could do in a season with the Holy Spirit. So the Lord took that season and he enabled the same people that had failed for a lifetime. He enabled the exact same people to now succeed. So I I just started thinking about that. I was thinking about some of the walls of these great cities back in in biblical days. Some of the walls were were so thick that you could have a chariot race on top of it. Um, They would have houses built into the wall itself, if you remember Rahab uh, let the spies out through the window in the wall down to to escape. <clears throat> so as I'm laying in bed, I'm, I'm just pondering, what in the world does this mean? I remember, of course, that Nehemiah helped to uh, rebuild the walls. And then there was a period of time where they had no gates. And, uh, and the, the brilliant thing that Nehemiah would do is he would, even in the rebuilding process, if you can imagine 
this wall like this, and there's still a hole in this section. Maybe there's no gate in that section. What he would do is he would put soldiers in the gaps in the wall. So you, you can understand an enemy that wants to attack, to come to kill, steal, and destroy, is going to come through one of the openings in the wall. It's not an invitation, but it works almost like an invitation for the enemy to come kill, steal, destroy. So he would put soldiers there with their weapons. Uh, there are parts of the wall where a person would have like a trowel to work with uh, a cement or whatever it is that they would use and, and a weapon in the other hand. And so we had that combination too. Uh, the builders were also warriors. <clears throat> so I, I, was, I was thinking about, about that and what exactly the Lord was was trying to say to me, a walled city without gates is not entirely safe. And then I remember I had this uh, experience with the Lord on a Thursday afternoon in May of 1979 where I was walking around in the back of the church and I was praying. And uh, I just turned to where I happened to be reading. Uh, I, I I, I I like to go systematically through the scripture either Genesis to Revelation or Matthew through Revelation or just the Gospels or just the books of law. But I I take sections. I don't like to just random. My recreational reading is random. I always have the discipline reading. But then my my cabin in the woods may be Isaiah 35 from this morning or it might be the 23rd Psalm or somewhere like that. I had some physical issues a few years ago and I, I spent an extended period of time in the 23rd Psalm day after day after day for weeks, for weeks. And that would be my my getaway, my cabin. So in this experience I had with the Lord, this encounter, 1979, so just so you, I want to keep things in perspective. This is not every other week. This is 10 years go by, 15 years go by, and then something else. But you're still required to carry it until he speaks again. Yeah. So... On that particular Thursday afternoon, I was reading out of Isaiah chapter 60. And the Lord spoke to me so deeply, it's actually affected every day of my life since then. Out of Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for his light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. But his light will appear upon you, his glory will be seen upon you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be carried in the arms. And this chapter just goes on with this incredible prophetic promise of what God is doing in his people. You're, the church is not plan B. It's not plan B. I believe very strongly in us being devoted and praying for supporting Israel. Because God's doing a work in natural Israel, but he's also doing a work in the church. We, we need to hold to those values. So that's not meaning to make statements there. <clears throat> Just can't help it. <laughs> so as I was laying in bed, pondering, thinking through this, this thing, that this thought that I believe the Lord injected into my consciousness, into my mind... As I started thinking, I remembered this verse out of Isaiah 16. If you would open your Bibles, I'd like for you just to look at this one verse. It's actually a half a verse we're going to look at. It's on page 1042 in the anointed version. And I said, man, why don't people have the hallelujah chorus as their ringtone? You know, at least we get a hallelujah and the phone rings. If I remember right, somebody had it all set up for that night, so I wasn't disappointed. All right, Isaiah 60, verse 18, violence will no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. Here's the part of the verse I want. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. 
Say that with me. You will call your wall salvation and your gates praise. Say it again. You will call your wall salvation and your gates praise. So here we've got this picture now. He said, a walled city without gates is not entirely safe. Your walls are salvation. Your gates are praise. Salvation, the walls, is what God does for you. The gates are what you do for him. We're back to the concept of co-laboring that we toyed with a bit this morning. It's the combination of the two. It's that, of course, God can do anything and everything better than we can. But he doesn't. You know, why, why for example, the birth of Christ was a fairly significant event. Yes? Yeah, we, we, we're in agreement here. Okay, all right. Why did the Father send Gabriel to bring the message to Mary? Why didn't God do it himself? See, he, everything he made, he made for a purpose. And he doesn't step into that part of his creation's purpose to do the job for them. Because then it destroys their identity and their place of function, which is where they are the most fulfilled, where we are the most fulfilled. He can preach better than we can, pray and sit better than we can, write songs better than we can. He can do everything better than we can. But he will influence, he will co-labor and partner, but he will not take my role. Because then he undermines my identity and my purpose. So here he says, your walls will be called salvation and your gates praise. You're born again. He did that. We didn't do that ourselves. But praise is what we do in response to him. This, this is a worshiping church. So this is Christianity 101 for places like this. But I want, I want to put this into a maybe, hope, hopefully, a little bit different perspective tonight. Again, going back to laying in bed in the middle of the night, I laid there for, I don't remember now, probably a couple hours just pondering these, these ideas. <clears throat> and I started thinking and remembering another passage out of Revelation, chapter 22. And in this chapter, Revelation 22, excuse me, 21, 21, 21, it says the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. This is the, this is the most interesting chapter in, in talking about the city of Jerusalem, the city of the Lord coming down out of heaven as a bride. And it was fifteen. It was it was a cube. It was fifteen hundred by fifteen hundred. I mean, a very different looking bride. (laughs) This this cube is is perfect structure. And divine structure always comes out of romance. Many people put the strategy for structure first. There's great teaching, great books on um, wineskins. But the treasure is not the wineskin, it's the wine. The wineskin only exists to host the person. The value is the person. It's the Holy Spirit. It's his movements. It's his changes. It's his, it's his dreams, his heart, his passion. It's, it's all about accommodating him. It's Again, back to the co-laboring role. He leads in the dance, we respond. Our development in maturity, our development in breakthrough, the impact that God enables us to have in the earth will never be greater than our yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. So we've got this, this unusual picture of the 12 gates around the city of Jerusalem, each one being a pearl. Let's be honest, that's a weird gate. And yet, you know, there's no apology in Scripture for strange pictures. <clears throat> so we've got 12, we've got 12 
three per side, 12 gates around the city, and each one is a pearl. How is a pearl formed? Through irritation. And it's called praise. See, anyone can praise when you got your breakthrough. Anyone can give him praise when we got our raise at work. Finally, been able to buy the home that we wanted or whatever it is. The goals that we have in life, they're important things. They're a huge part of life. Psalms 100 and... It's in the hundreds. (laughs) 105 verse... No, I don't know. I think it's 105 verse 3. Anyway, it's in the Bible. (laughs) Maybe it's 103 verse 5 or it's 105 verse 3. It's on the... It's on the right side of the page. Just leave me alone. <laughs> he says, I will fill your life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. See, the fulfillment of dreams is a part of, of the replenishing of strength. I need to camp on this one for a minute. We, we kill dreams in the name of discipleship. Instead of surrendering dreams. They need to be Holy Spirit bred. They do. But the answer to wrong dreams is not no dreams. That actually, Bill, was a very good point. It's, uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was exceptional. Yes. <clears throat> the whole dream concept... Um, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know that part. But desire realized is a tree of life. What is a tree of life? Tree of life is what marks the nature of eternity for us. The tree of life. They couldn't partake of the tree of life after they sinned. Why? Because it would mark them in, in an eternal condition of sin. So if the tree of life is available now... For fulfilled dreams, what does that mean? It means your eternal purpose is to dream with God. So here we've got this whole concept of a gate being a pearl. And the gate is formed through irritation. So we know what it is to, uh, you know, we have um, sporting events coming up. We've got a Super Bowl coming up. We'll have... NBA championships have some sometime after that, and and if you like sports like I do, it's 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 always fun to watch, and it's very cool to see how many believers are actually in the professional sport inter- industry right now. It's incredible. When I was a kid, uh, San Francisco Giants, forgive me for all the teams that I support. Just, <laughs> just just forgive me right now at the beginning. If you want to go to heaven, you have to forgive me uh, for who I root for. <clears throat> Um, as a kid, uh, San Francisco Giant fan, there was one baseball player that was a known believer, Philippe Lou, and a manager, Alvin Dark. And but it was just not spoken of. Today, I, I have a, a friend who uh, was a, a quarterback in the NFL, and he says today something like seventy percent of all the players are believers. It's incredible. It's incredible. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when a team wins, somebody will stand and say, I just, I just want to thank Jesus. I want to thank And, and I, I don't in any way want to diminish that because that needs to happen. But it's not hard when you win. It's not hard. It's not hard when you win. It's not hard when, when you fulfilled the dream, the ambition, the goal, whatever it might have been. You, know, you couldn't have a child for many years. In fact, there's someone here that can't have children. The Lord's going to release that grace uh, over you to have children. And mark, mark the date. Mark this day. <clears throat> so for many years, unable to have children, then all of a sudden, within a year, you have a child. And you have, you have what your heart is ached for and longed for your whole married life. And, and we give thanks for that, as we, as we must. But show me the person who suffered loss that is giving thanks. 
And I'll show you someone who's building a gate. Psalms 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the king of glory may enter in. Gates are about presence. Gates are specifically places of encounter with the presence of God. So when we're talking about gates, we know that he inhabits the praises of his people. So we know that in this context, this whole issue of taking our dark moments and giving him thanks, something is taking place in our inner world where there is this increase, this, um, this the stage is being set for increased immersion into the presence, into the glory of God. I remember in uh, 2004, January 16th, 2004, my dad took his last breath. He had moved to Reading to be with us because he loved revival. He loved what was happening, wanted to be a part of it. And he was a great, great apostolic leader, tremendous man of God. And I I remember we stood around his bed that last last night and... And he took his, his last breath. And I thought, first of all, we stood around, we prayed together as a family, we, we, we lifted our hands, our voices, we gave God thanks for the, for the privilege. It's it never, um, never look down at the moment of walking someone into the arms of Jesus. It, it may be painful. And I don't mean this in any rude way, but it's not about you. It's, it's, there's, there's a higher purpose involved. And uh, we just got to keep it in perspective. And I, I remember thinking, in heaven, I, I'm sitting there, he's just breathed this laugh. He, he was... Uh, my my family is known for living a long time. My mom's 94. My dad's mom died at 97. And, and he was like the healthiest of everybody. And here he just got hit with this disease and he was dead in six months. And it was just a shock. And, you know, you, you have a loss like that. You have regret. You have confusion. You got pain. You've got disappointment. See, I, I don't think, if I don't know how to handle disappointment well... I don't know that I can be trusted with great gain, great fulfillment. I, I don't think if I, can, if I can't handle criticism well, I can't be trusted with praise. If I can't handle betrayal well, I probably can't handle devoted, loyal friends at the level he wants me to live with. So here's this moment. I've got confusion. I've got regret. I I should have done this. We should have prayed this way. We should have fasted here. Whatever. Fill in the blanks. You you understand because we've all gone through this in measure. And I thought, you know, in eternity, I won't have any pain. There'll be no confusion, no tears, nothing. So the only chance I have to give God this particular offering is in the middle of of my pain, confusion, loss, etc. So it's like I took these elements, the confusion, the pain, all these things. I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like incense. I brought them in close to my burning heart so that my pain would be a part of my offering. And then I just give him praise and give God the honor and the thanks. And a year and, well, I think four months ago now, my wife died. <clears throat> and we sat around her Bed, my kids and grandkids, almost almost everybody was there. <clears throat> and uh, and she took her last breath. And the first response was to raise hands. And to give God the glory. To give him the praise. To give him 
God, I, I don't want to wait a week. I don't want to wait a year. I don't want to wait 10 years until I finally get victory here. I want to give you the offering that costs me something now. And so in the middle of pain and loss and all this stuff, you know what it's like. Lord, I just give you honor for, listen to this. She died of a disease. I honor him for being the healer. You say, well, yeah, but your wife wasn't healed. I know, but the lack is never on his end of the equation. See, my experience doesn't redefine his nature. (laughs) Well, then why did it happen? I don't know. But I stopped asking why a long time ago. I don't need to know why. I just need to know what do I do now? What do I do next? The picture of a walled city with gates is this picture of safety. If you can imagine living in biblical days where there was this massive wall that surrounded your city and you've got the gates in place and the watchmen are on top of the wall and you could have an army outside throwing spears and shooting arrows at the wall and on the inside your kids are playing soccer in the field, in the streets and you're still doing commerce with you know, with the, the grocery store down the street and the restaurant. You've got all these things still happening. Why? Because it's, it's inside the safety of these walls. You, you don't know the hell that's going on on the outside because of the safety of your walls. A walled city with gates is entirely safe. There's something of the Lord that gets, that gets established in our life. I, I don't want to create a. Uh, I don't want to create some kind of paranoia that if I don't do this right, I I live unsafe. I just want to say, use the tools that God has given you. Give Him the offering He deserves, even if it's just out of raw obedience. God, I give You praise. I honor You. Uh, you you're going through a bankruptcy, God. I give praise to You. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. You are my provider. We rise above all the circumstances that seem to deny his nature. <clears throat> People say, well, you're living in denial. I am. I'm, I'm denying the devil's voice, a place in my head. <clears throat> Yes, I am. <laughs> the devil talks and I just say, no, you're, I'm, I'm denying you. <laughs> I'm in denial. <clears throat> I remember as a young pastor, <clears throat> I, was, I was reading through First Thessalonians. <clears throat> and I remember coming to chapter 5 and reading that portion of scripture that, uh, that is familiar to so many of us. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. I remember reading that and I stopped and I thought, I could just have these three statements, read them every day for the rest of my life, and I would have a full-time job. I would, I would, it, it would take me the rest of my life to learn this right here. Rejoice always, like, wait. Is the original language, does it mean always? <laughs> Pray without ceasing, like, don't ever stop. In everything, give thanks. What? How's that even possible? See, all of God's commandments are invitations to life. None of them are punishments. None of them are restrictions. You say, it feels so restricting. Yeah, it's restricting from what you don't need to fully enjoy what you can have. It's restriction from that which would undermine who you are so that you can discover who he is and who he made you to be. It's the fulfilled dream aspect of life. 
It's all a part of this. A walled city without gates is not entirely safe. A walled city with gates is a place of great safety. And the salvation he's done for you when you confess Christ, you were born again. But to live in the measure and level of victory that he's designed for us takes co-laboring, takes a response on my end to say, all right, well, this isn't fun that I'm facing right now. I'm facing some things I've never faced in my life right now. And I can't fix them. It's it's so frustrating to face things that if you work extra hard, you still can't fix. (laughs) Like you can do everything you know to do. Pull out all your Christian toys and all your secrets for breakthrough and all the stuff. And still you can't fix it. Goodness, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to trust God. (laughs) And if I trust him, then I have reason to celebrate now. Because he's never failed. You know, you've heard people say, all we have left to do now is pray. (laughs) Is that all you have left to do? (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) You could talk to the creator of the universe, and that's all you have left to do. I hope you make it. (laughs) How about we say we have a million things to do, but we're going to start with the one, the best one. I'm going to pray. So rejoice always. Do you know what makes the difference? Here's one thing that, I, that I've been learning in the last year and a half. <clears throat> Come, uh, every, everyone, all of us have to learn how to mourn well. Because life brings challenges and difficulties to us. You don't get to opt out. I mean, you can, you can pretend it doesn't happen. And you can, you know, live in that strange place of actual denial. Real faith doesn't deny the existence of a problem. Real faith denies the problem a place of influence. Real faith doesn't deny the existence of a problem. Real faith denies the problem a place of influence. So since we have to, all of us have disappointments, and mourning, mourning has two destinies. One is found in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. Hmm. Holy Spirit's name is Comforter. So there is a, there is a type of mourning that actually leads to a divine encounter. Right? Then in Mark 16, you see disciples who mourned that when people came to them and said Jesus had resurrected from the dead, because they were mourning incorrectly, they didn't believe the good news of the resurrection. So mourning can take me to the comforter or to unbelief. And so I've been, I was asking the question, how do I make sure I, I make the right, <laughs> the right turn in the road instead of going this direction? How can I make sure I go this direction? And I've, I found in Scripture that when you mourn with hope, it leads you to the Holy Spirit. When you mourn without hope, it leads you to unbelief. Hope is the joyful anticipation of good. That's actually a biblical definition. Culturally, hope is like a wish. I, I hope that happens. It's, it's kind of like, man, I, I wish you know this would take place in my life or whatever. <clears throat> but biblical hope is actually the joyful anticipation of good. I remember seeing videos of Daryl's family, my wife, Benny, his sister, I remember coming over in the early days and watching videos of their Christmas, their Christmas videos. You remember those movie eight cameras with spotlights that would peel paint? They, they, they could start forest fires, you know. I mean, they were, 
and his dad would set these, this camera up. And I, I got, before we were married, I got to enjoy a couple of Christmases over there. And, and I, I remember seeing some of the videos. And I got to see it live myself. The kids are at the end of the hall. And um, he's got the, the spotlights are on that could cause eye problems in the future. <laughs> the camera's rolling. And he says, Merry Christmas. Now, at the end of the hall are four children that are bouncing off the walls. They're about to wet themselves if something doesn't happen here quickly. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say you did. I, 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 I knew you did, but I wasn't going to expose it. I was not going to throw you. I was not going to throw you under the bus. I was not going to do that. So you can imagine the kids are at the end of the hall. They can hardly wait to run down the hall, dive under the tree, and start to open gifts. And so here's, here's the cameras going, and they say, Merry Christmas, and the kids come running out around the, over the tree, and they start opening up their gifts. They're just besides themselves. That whole thing at the end of the hallway, they've not opened one gift yet, and yet they're already happy. Yeah, yeah. That's hope. So the command to rejoice always is actually connected to hope. Now, why would you pray without ceasing? Only if you have hope. (laughs) Somebody came to me once and said, would you pray for me? I said, sure. What do you need? He says, well, God doesn't love me. And I thought, I asked him, who else is up there you want me to talk to? Probably the wrong time for my third grade sense of humor. But uh. <laughs> Why pray if we don't anticipate at least the possibility of an answer? And then in everything give thanks. Everything? I'll end with this illustration. My, uh, I have a favorite restaurant. I, I, I love food. I love food. All, all a person needs to know the goodness of the Lord is to eat. And if, if that doesn't do it, then change your menu because God is just so good. So my favorite restaurant in the whole world, and I've been to some really nice ones too because of the travel that I do, <clears throat> is called the French Laundry. And it's a, it's a three Michelin star restaurant in, in Napa Valley that I've been to on a number of occasions. So turn back the calendar several years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, my first visit to the French Laundry. And I, I'm sitting there Benny's here, another couple friends of ours are here, so four of us. It's hard to get in this place. But we're sitting there and, and they've got, got like nine courses. And then they just throw in some extra stuff. So, thank you, Jesus. The chef loves me, I know he does. And so like the second or third course, they bring out something, now forgive me again, if, if this is not up your alley, but uh, I, I disliked tremendously oysters, forgive me, oysters and caviar. So they bring out this dish called oysters and pearls. And it's this tiny little bowl with this big old slab of the finest caviar there is on the planet with an oyster and the sauce. And I look at it and I'm thinking, I'm paying too much money to not at least try this. <clears throat> so I took, took my spoon, I took one bite. My, my life was changed. <laughs> Remember in the Bible where Jonathan took some honey and his eyes were brightened and my eyes were brightened. And I turned to, to Benny, to my wife. I said, honey, I want a chili bowl full of this stuff. 
how how this master chef Thomas Keller can take two things I don't like, put it together with stuff that I do like, and I don't even know what was in the sauce. And how can he how can he turn that into something that I could eat every day for the rest of my life? It may be, in fact, there's a very famous chef in Chicago uh, has a three Michelin star restaurant. He says, to date, it is still the greatest thing I've ever eaten in my life. So it, it's of that quality. So I'm, I'm eating this thinking, this is, this is the most amazing thing. <clears throat> All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The master chef is able to take the worst part of your life, the most tragic part of your history, the dumbest thing you've ever done. <laughs> he took our stupidity into account when he called us to himself. And he's able to work those things for good until what you despised about your life becomes the greatest testimony of his goodness, his grace, and you yourself find it beautiful. It's, that's, the, that's the context. That's the context for giving thanks and everything. It's God, I know I can't turn this around. I can't fix this. I can't, I can't remove the shame or the disappointment or the loss or the, the pain, the, the, what I suffered through their actions, what I suffered through my own. I can't change any of that. But I can give you thanks because I know you're the master chef who's able to take the things I dislike the most about my life. And with your touch, they can be the greatest testimony of your goodness and a testimony of what you've done in me. And everything give thanks. It's the walled city with gates. Why don't you stand? You all right? Yeah? You you survived? That's good. That's good. (laughs) In everything, give thanks. We were designed for victory. We were designed... We were designed to hear His voice. You're actually designed to obey him willingly it's, it's, it's our nature in Christ if you're born again in your heart of hearts is the desire to please him that's not something you have to muster up it's who you are that's your nature it's our nature to believe God all these things he commands us to do as I've stated they're not restrictions or punishments they're invitations into liberty and freedom Come taste life more fully. Here, rejoice always. You really want to know what breakthrough is like? Taste of this one. Pray without ceasing. Keeping that constant fellowship with me. That's what John 15, 7 is. Abide in me. My words abide in you. Ask whatever you want and it'll be done. Your co-laboring role is fulfilled because of your value of the presence and the value of what God says. Every commandment is an invitation to greater life. We're going to take a couple minutes. And what I want to ask you to do is bring up one of the, bring up one of your oysters or your caviar out of your history and bring it out in front of you. And I want you to give thanks. That God in his grace, his mercy, his kindness can use this that we despise the most. He can actually use it for his glory. Easy assignment, right? <laughs> Easy assignment. Honestly, there's, there's some, I want you to remember these three verses. Pray without, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks.
the conclusion to that was, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything, give thanks. So just put your hands in front of you. And I'm going to ask you to give thanks to the Lord. Out loud, but not loud enough for anyone around you to hear. I just want it to be intentional enough that you put it on your lips. Just whisper it. But I want you to give thanks to God for something that's been hard to give him thanks for. So, Lord, I know that all of your commandments come with presence and that you only command us into things that you're willing to help us do. So I ask for that grace upon this family of believers right now to give thanks for the most difficult things. Do that right now. I'm going to give you just just about a minute or so. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Wonderful Jesus. So, Father, I ask now for just a real mantle of breakthrough to rest upon this church body, this family. Uh, that has labored together for our guests, friends who have joined us, over every individual, over every household, every family, that our lives will be marked, marked with this privilege to give you thanks in difficult things. And we give you praise. We honor you, Lord God. We, will, we purpose never again to reduce our understanding of who you are by the things that didn't go right in our lives. And instead, we just acknowledge you are Lord of all, you are a sovereign God, and you always win. You always have the last say. So, Lord, I pray that. I pray that, uh, I pray that Romans 8 passage, all things work together for good. I declare that over every broken situation, relational brokenness, financial health, all these issues that, that just haunt us. We just declare right now, God, we give you thanks. You are Lord of all. You have a solution, a promise for every every situation represented in this room. And we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just lift up thanks to the Lord. Just lift up. We give you honor. We give you praise. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.